Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 61 of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute, Family Counseling and Recovery Center in Long Beach, California. If you, anyone you know, is struggling, please reach out to us. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. All right, so today's guest is Kyle Faroli. And I had a great conversation with Kyle. It was awesome. We talked about brain mapping and looking at the the mind and the brain and how they work together with the body. And um, I really enjoy that kind of stuff because I think that's really when we look at mental health treatment, that's where it's going. All of these things connecting together and working together in a way that fits and really enables us to be our best selves. So it was a great conversation and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Don't forget to rate and review us in iTunes. I think we're almost up to 100 reviews, so that's pretty cool. So I really appreciate it. Really helps get us exposure. And it's just good to know that people are listening and enjoying the podcast and getting a lot of value out of it. So I like to hear that and, and see that. Also, I'm growing our Facebook group. So go to Facebook and just type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. Uh, that's slowly growing and I have some plans for that as well. So if you want to be part of that community, please do it. I think it's going to be a great resource for people who are treatment providers who are working with addictions and also people who are struggling with addictions and looking for help. So go and join that Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join. All right, let's go ahead and start this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Addicted Mind. My guest today is Kyle Faroli, and I am going to have you introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Kyle Faroli. I am the founder of the Center for Mind Brain Balance in the Midwest. I also help run a clinic in Chicago. And what I'm here to tell you guys tell today is that you can't think your way out of a lot of things. And there are tools out there, such as psychophysiological equipment that look at your nervous system and your brain and actually check the interaction of what your mind does 
we can see changes in your brain and body. So when you're happy, when you're stressed, when you're worried, when you're excited, your brain does different things. So the biggest thing that we do at the Center for Mind-Brain Balance, and it really helps with addictions, is there are certain brain patterns that are predisposed to alcoholic or drug-addictive personality, behavior, addiction-type traits. And if you can find out that those things are happening at an earlier time, you might be able to avoid falling down a certain path. Right. And, and yeah, I wanted to say one of the things that I was excited about having you on the Addicted Mind podcast was to be able to kind of talk about this body brain connection and what we're, I think we're really, really beginning to appreciate that in psychotherapy, in the mental health realm. And so I'm excited to have you talk about that and looking at the brain from a physical perspective. Excellent. Now, I'm, I'm so glad that you are sharing this message with your subscribers because a lot of people think the mind and the brain are the same thing. And yeah. I'm, I finished up my doctorate in psychophysiology and we did a brain dissection. And I can honestly say that the brain is a real thing. It is something that we did pick up somewhere and we did see. The mind is conceptual. You can't mail it to your grandma. You can't pick it up somewhere. You can't prove you have it. But we all know we think, act, and feel. So the brain is something that gives rise to the mind, but you have to have you know, an operating brain to have a mind. And we're all looking at the awesome tools and resources of meditation and self-help and psychophysiology and drugs and all these other great things to try and help us get through life. But let me just ask everyone a question. We were having this podcast right now, and one of you in the audience smelled smoke. Would you continue to listen to it, or would you pause it and figure out why there's a fire? Well, we have different fires inside of our lives that trigger our nervous system and our fight or flight. And it actually shuts off part of our physical brain. So we're not able to make good decisions. Our logic and reasoning is out the door. I mean, it sounds dumb, but if you're being chased by a bear, do you really need to know how to do Microsoft Excel? Probably not. Do you need to know how to be nice to a coworker? Probably not. You're trying to survive. So we have these fires in our life, inside of us, outside of us, that we perceive as fires. It sets off our nervous system the same way as if we were being chased by a bear or there was a fire. And with the equipment in my office and other people around the world, we can look at what your mind, brain, and body are doing and help you have an accurate starting point. So and there is one of the blind spots. Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I was wondering, like, okay, so when you mentioned this equipment, and uh, tell me a little bit about that part. Sure. Like, what is this and connecting to that? Well, the, the biggest thing that everybody loves to hear about is the brain scan. There's, I'm not sure what people refer to as a mind map. I think it's some type of cognitive processing, structuring of thought. But a, a brain map and a full brain map, a full EEG, is where you record 19 channels at one time. Simultaneously, you record all the data. There are people doing mini maps, which are recording one or two sites at a time. But you, when you record one or two sites at a time, and then you record two more and two more, they're not happening at the same time. So you can't really check connectivity. You can't check coherence, which is the amount of connectivity that there is. There's also a term called phase. We're getting a little too Greek with it. But bottom line is there's 19 areas we look at, and they can either run too fast or too slow, and they can connect too fast or not connect fast enough. And those contribute to behaviors that we have. And then that impacts the mind. Yes, because if you have a certain tendency in your brain, you could be predisposed to, let's say you don't have enough alpha in the back of the head. There was a study a long time ago, decades ago, where they worked with alcoholics and they increased 
the alpha waves in the back of the head and help them with cravings and with the abuse. Well, there are people that have a, a susceptibility to walking into a bar or a party for the first time and loving it and not being able to ever put it down. And it's really not their fault. Their brain was wired that way. There is brainwave regulation training out there that can be done to help offset that so you don't have the craving or you don't hopefully find it. And that is just a life-changing thing for people. The problem is, and sneak peek on part of the book, one of the blind spots is traditional medicine in a sense that it doesn't look at the brain. They look at your eyes, they look at your heart, they take an x-ray, but they don't look at the brain as a normal, if it's mind-brain related problem. If you have a head injury, of course, they're going to a seizure, they're going to. But the EEG can be used in the clinical world and the medical world. And I think that's what's so exciting in the last, I, I don't know, last decade, maybe two decades, is really this evolution of our mental health treatment that really brings in the physicality of the brain as part of this process and not just, I guess, maybe when Freud started, right? We just talk about it. <laughs> but now we're really <laughs> like looking at the body and it's the wholeness of it all, which is really exciting. Yes, yes. And so tell me a little bit more about like what, when you do this mind map of somebody, what, what does that look like? Like you said, 19 different channels and 19 different things. and Yes, there, there are 19 leads that we put on top of the scalp, and they measure the electrical activity of the brain. There's also software, QEEG software. Some people also just look at the raw EEG, and you can determine what areas are moving too fast or too slow. So, for example, when the brain runs a little bit too fast along the midline, like if you had a mohawk in those areas, that people could have trouble with obsessive compulsive addictions, types of rigidness, maybe just complete anxiety. And if the front of the brain isn't running efficiently, you could have anxiety or depression, depending on which side of the asymmetry is on. There are also markers for spectrum disorders, so autistic and Asperger's, things like that. Certain areas of the brain sometimes aren't regulated properly. There are also things for PTSD and trauma. There are certain areas where mood and memory happen and they're not regulated. So the brain map can really kind of tell you why you do what you do, think what you think and feel what you feel. So it'll really help you kind of know where to go, I guess. I mean, if, if you can see this yes. kind of in a physical way, you can mm -hmm. say, oh, okay, this gives us something to, to go on to work on these things. Yes. But it really is half of the half of the puzzle. And I have to admit, I was all brain mapping when I started because it was the shiny object and everybody loves it. And you say you scan brains, you know, you get a lot of dates. No, I'm kidding. But right. <laughs> what's more important to me is the psychophysiological aspect of it. And since I've completed my doctorate work in, in this area, I've realized how much the nervous system can lock up the brain in that you perceive something as a threat. Your brain sends a signal to your body to prepare for fight or flight. And if your body's locked in fear, your brain gets a signal back to it saying, it's okay, let's stay in this mode. So people have chronic tension, they have migraines, they have jaw tension, they breathe way too shallow, wait until you don't get enough oxygen to your brain. And I actually had a client, I don't want to take too much time on it, but I had a client who was very, very well off, had no problems at all. And she was breathing wrong and she was taking anti-anxiety med for it. And we taught her how to breathe. And within a month, she dropped her meds, learned how to breathe properly. And she didn't have any type of mental health problem that was holding her back. It was structurally, and it was not tied to things that we might talk to about addictions and that. So not everybody's going to come in the office and learn how to breathe in a month and all their problems are going to go away. But there are some people that 
they just don't have any psychological concerns, which is pretty rare. I mean, in, in 11 years of doing what I do, we've worked with people across the country. And I say this not to brag, but different cultures, different lifestyles, different learning styles, different ways of just going about normal life. And only two people have been healthy. I'm not one of them, by the way. I had to, I had to fix myself too. Right. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because everybody I run into, even yoga people, even presidents of companies, they're so stressed worrying about their seven companies. And it's not just the basics. I mean, every, everybody can benefit from learning how to regulate their nervous system and their brain activity. Right. And so going back, because you were talking a little bit earlier about like the fight or flight response. And so how does this, how does that tie into this when you were talking? The fight or flight response is something that we check. I'm glad you asked about that because sometimes they, they get put in two different camps and the physiology is connected to the neurology, if you will. So the body and the brain are definitely connected. And the mind, of course, you know, sits out there with everybody kind of focusing only on that. So when people say, well, it, should I see a counselor? Yes, but make sure you're not in fight or flight. Make sure you balance or regulate yourself out. Should I get a life coach? Yes, but not until you're ready. Do you need a life coach if you're being chased by a bear? Do you need a doctor or another pill if you're being chased by the bear? I know it's a dumb example, but everybody gets it because it's so obnoxiously dumb that people are like, yeah, I get it. When I'm being chased by a bear, all I need to do is survive. So the survival thing can be measured through the physiological equipment. So when you're stressed, your muscles are tense, we measure muscle tension. You breathe quicker and your respiration rate is faster and less oxygen. We can measure oxygen, we can measure CO2, we can measure your heart rate. So all these types of things are telltale signs of when we're stressed and a lot of people don't even know it. It's like somebody yelling they're not angry. It's people coming in saying, no, I'm okay. And they're really not. And then they can excel a lot further when they turn their, their body and their brain back on. Well, sometimes I think if you have a lot of trauma in your past, you have that chronic, you're in chronic stress, but it becomes normal because that's all you know. And so a lot of times when I work with clients, I can feel the stress, but I can feel it when we're, we're working together. But at the same time, they can't. They're, it's almost like they're so used to it that they don't even realize that they're in uh, either fight or flight or freeze or, or mm-hmm. in that state because they've been there for so long. Exactly. You, I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly the problem we all face in our field. And so it almost like doing something like this enables somebody to see it in a different way. And then Well, they're able to objectively see it instead of think yeah. about it. You know, right. You're not chasing symptoms anymore. You're getting to the root of, of the problem. Right. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense because if you can't calm the nervous system, how do you do any of that higher functioning, which enables you to, I guess, you know, live the life that you want mm-hmm. if you're running from a bear, you know, you're like, exactly, I'm running from a bear and I don't even know I'm running from a bear. <laughs> exactly. That, that's the thing is people, people are shocked when we hook them up. And unfortunately, the higher up people are, the more successful they are, the more healthy they appear to be. I've worked with perfectly sculpted athletes and bodybuilders, and sometimes their breathing is just as bad as someone who's chronically stressed. And it's hard to to tiptoe around that and say, excuse me, sir, I know you're getting back on your Learjet in an hour to fly home. Thanks so much for coming on out. But we got a big problem here. Like if you really want to work on your your focus and you really want to not be so anxious and be taking pills for everything, you know, pills to wake up, pills to sleep, is it worth it? And it's a lot easier when somebody comes in and they want the help. It's another thing if someone kind of steers them in and says, go get this done. 
you know, and we right. do get both. We get some people that are more proactive saying, help me, I want to be better. And other people with their arms crossed that say, I don't want to be here. Right. So what inspired you to go in this direction and look at this kind of stuff? Like, how, how, did, how did you get inspired to say, you know what, I want to know how this works? I was one of those kids that uh, was more stressed and emotional, I think, growing up. And that led me to finding, you know, personal growth and all of that fun right. stuff and self-help. And um, obviously, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, ended up being a therapist. It just fit me way better. So pre-law turned into psychophysiology. But, but the thing that really made me shift gears was as a therapist, in my first year of private practice, I had a 15-year-old shoot himself. And I can't believe it still gives me a chill. Like I spoke in Vegas last year and I had a full body chill when I said it. Now I just had one again with you. I can't shake it. Right. It, right. Um, I felt really bad that we opened this kid up. He had some horrible things happen to him. He's supposed to go to court. The next day he took his life. I had to leave the field. I care so much about helping people and uh, listening to people. I mean, yeah. I cried at a person's funeral I never met. It was yeah. my wife's uncle's father. I'm just, it just that empathetic type thing. I just feel other people's stuff. Right. So I had to leave the field, unfortunately, but I knew I still wanted to help people. So I did a, a random self-employed gig for about a year and went totally different into like internet marketing type things. And I learned a lot from the people there, especially that I love helping people. And my favorite part of the job was lunch because I could talk to people. I was right. horrible at the job. <laughs> right. So luckily, you know, that, that, that ended at about a year and I was able to get, go back into the field and I have a wonderful mentor. Her name's Dr. Ann Weston. And she said, if you're going to do this brain stuff, you might be able to figure out more of why people can't think and change their minds on certain things. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thought. So I went into it, became board certified in it, and really thought I knew what I was doing. And then I entered a doctorate program in this where all the elites of the elites people are. And I stopped following the marketing and the hype and everybody, you know, selling more channels to do more stuff and went back to the basics. And my success rate for my clients, I should say, not my success rate, their success rate went from 50 to 60% to 80s to almost 90%, which is unheard of. I mean, you're helping right. a lot of people because now we have the right tools. We mm -hmm. make sure we can help someone before we just try and train them or make their brain better. We really know what we're, we're doing. And that's all to the assessments. And that's why I'm glad you value the thing we're talking about, not just putting a lead on your head and doing focus training. Right, right. But really understanding that. And I, I can imagine something like that, you know, you're, you're trying to help and these tragedies do happen, unfortunately, especially in the mental health field, but to really dig in and, and try and understand it in a new way so you can really help people. Yeah. The only part that's a job is sending out bills and doing taxes. Otherwise, every day is just so amazing because you get to right. meet new people and help them get on the path of hopefully having more health, happiness, and productivity in their life. And I think it brings in, as I've gotten more experience in this field and, and grown as a clinician, really being able to see the benefit of bringing the body and the physiology into the work. Because mm -hmm. so many times you can have a client and you can do psychotherapy with them, but they need to understand physically what's going on. It's the psychotherapy itself may benefit a little bit, may help them, but it's not really going to take them to the next level. And, and I think we have to bring in that. I think that if they are calm and not being chased by that proverbial bear, psychotherapy is an amazing tool. But I think the reason so many people struggle is they're trying to have therapy while they're being chased. 
their brain's not turned on properly. They're not taking it in. They're just glad somebody's listening and it's a safe environment. And again, I'm not knocking therapy. I totally believe in it. I love it. I have a master's in it. You know, we, we both share that. But I've seen that if you're not, you're not ready for it, it's a waste of time. Right. It's so sad. You know, and then we take it personally because we want to help people and then they don't get better. If everyone right. learned how to breathe properly, calm down the nervous system, balance their brain, yeah, I know, just easy stuff, right? Right. Then right. we could do our jobs so much better. So that's yeah. why I love, I love having these conversations with therapists because it's not either or, it's and. This should all complement traditional medicine and psychotherapy and coaching and counseling and everything. It, it's not supposed to be instead of. Right. And I think that is starting to happen within mental health treatment. I mean, we're, I think we're beginning to see that with people like you doing this and saying, look, we need to look at the physiology as well. And I think for people out there who are struggling with addiction, a lot of times addiction is how do I regulate my nervous system? Cause it's out of whack and I don't know how to, I don't know how to regulate my depression or my anxiety or my trauma or my PTSD or, or whatever it is. An addiction, I'll either do this behavior or I'll take this substance and that will, mm-hmm. I'll try at least for the moment, escape my nervous system. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's one thing we didn't talk about and I, I don't like to bring in other people's work and, and hang my hat on it. So I'm going to clearly say this is not my work. It's the work of Daniel Amen, who's, well-known all over the place. Yeah, He's done probably 90,000 scans by now, and he's found seven different patterns of ADD and seven different patterns of anxiety and depression. Those can be seen with imaging equipment. So now when you go to the doctor and you find out that stimulant med for ADD works for certain patterns, but not all of them, you'll know why it's not working. But right. unfortunately, at least up where we are in the, in the Midwest, it's very conservative and doctors aren't really willing to do this. I had... Um, I played tennis with one guy, and he, when he went to work, I realized we had mutual clients. He couldn't accept something outside of the big box healthcare system, right. even though we were like hanging out on the side. And I said, hey, I guess what we have a mutual client. What are the, what are the odds of that, right? right? I had dinner with another doctor, a sleep doctor in the area, and we had an EEG report and this client that we had, a mutual thing. So this is two examples in one little area, and he threw it out at least right in front of her face and said, I don't need to see that. He didn't know what it was. Right. You know, I have a buddy who's a radiologist and he said, Kyle, you, you went in more depth than we did in med school with this stuff. I mean, that's scary because right. this is all I study is just this area. He knows everything about everything. But he's like, we just didn't spend that much time. And I don't know about you, but in my master's program, we didn't study the brain. We studied theories. We studied yep. the mind. You fix right. everything in your mind. I'm sorry. Yeah. When I'm being chased by the bear, I'm not doing anything but surviving. And I don't want to live in that survival mode. And I did for a lot of years and didn't know it, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm so glad that you're, you know, having me on the show and, and we can get this message out to at least one person that can then look this up and hopefully find someone in their area. It's not a, uh, a selfish move to, hey, come to Wisconsin and have some cheese curds and uh, come see Kyle. It's let's find someone in your area that does this, that's doing it the right way, of course, that you right. can see and complement your current medical practice. Right, and get that information so you can get the care and build the treatment plan that's going to work for you. Yeah, and then throw the therapist in to hit the home run, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's <laughs> all, I think that's awesome. So we were talking a little bit before the podcast started that you're in the process of a book, and uh, I'd love to hear more about it. Sure, sure. Uh, the book is not out yet. The book is called Check Your Blind Spot, Seven Ways We Unintentionally Destroy Our Health, Happiness, and Productivity. And... The first six chapters are factual 
science, bring it on, try me kind of chapters. They're talking about, you know, things in our environment that trigger us to have threats. That's blind spot number one. Blind spot number two has to do with our mind. There are negative thoughts, unrealistic expectation, irrational beliefs. Those things mess us up. Blind spot number three is our brain. We already talked about that one a lot, which is great. But it's it's just kind of flowing in this process. Blind spot number four is our nervous system. Nobody's looking at your nervous. Nobody knows if we're upset and all this. So you take these four blind spots and you say, ooh, I have a problem. I'm going to go see my doctor. Blind spot number five, traditional medicine doesn't look at the brain. They look at every other organ. So it's another blind spot. And of course, six, I hate to say it, but personal growth, self-help, counseling, if we're in being chased by that bear, we're not ready for it. It's a wonderful tool. I can't say enough about it. I love it. My mentor is a psychologist of 30, 40 years now. Sorry to date you, Dr. Ann, when you hear this. <laughs> and then, of course, last but not least, the seventh one is Kyle Ferroli up on his soapbox. And that is, I think we need to have something bigger than us in our lives, whether it's religion or spirituality or meditation, or you're part of a political group or an art group or your kids group or a PTA or something where when you're at your worst, there's something pulling you through. It could be your family, it could be a kid, it could be a parent, but having something, and a lot of people that I've worked with, they lose touch. They Even some people, very, very successful, they have nothing grounding them. They have nothing pulling them forward. And I've made some very uh, self-disclosing videos about, you know, when I was 30, I got the car and got the house and went to the club and had the practice and the wife and the kid. I still wasn't happy inside. What the heck? Like I, I checked right. off everything on my list that I thought I needed. And at first I was always running from these because I'm like, well, I can't tell people this. And I realized why everybody else is doing the same darn thing. So the last chapter I have to admit is a little bit more of a normal book like everybody else puts out their own ideas, their own theories. But the first six chapters we're really trying to, a small group of us at, at Saybrook right now, are trying to take psychophysiology to where chiropractics is now. You know, 20, 30 right. years ago, it was voodoo. Nobody liked it. Nobody knew what it was. You may still like it. You may not. That's not the point. This is rooted in science. It needs to be talked about, and it needs to be explained to people. And I guess I just get kind of stir-crazy in an office even though I have a beautiful view of, of this conservancy as I'm staring out right now, I want to be out. I want to be out in the masses. I want to sell, sell this book to every single person out there, even if it's for a dollar. It's not about right. making money on the book. It's about people investing into it and learning that there's things out there. And we used to put a lot of things out that were free and you know what you do with free things. You put them in your inbox and you don't worry about them. So right. we're not making money on this book. We're trying to just get it out there. And if you buy it, well, darn it, I spent a dollar on that. I better look at it, you know, kind right, of thing. Right. So I think that's important. I mean, it, it sounds like you're really trying this mission to bring full care. That's what it sounds like to me. It's like, you know, I have this mission to bring full care to people, which I think is so important. Yeah, I think that we all need to come together with our skills, learn where we can and can't do certain things. When I started off my uh, neuroscience practice, it was called Inner Rhythms. And all I did was brain mapping and neurofeedback. But when I started my counseling business, it was called The Light of Hope. And I realized after doing one and the other, I need to be doing both. So right. a few years ago, we had rebranded re ourselves as the Center for Mind-Brain Balance. And we are very, very careful to not just say it's all in your brain or it's all in, in your mind. It's a combination of so many things. But if you miss one of the three pieces, mind, brain, or body, you're going to be against the wall and you're going to wonder, well, what, what am I missing? I'm reading everything. I got the best coach in the world. 
if you're being chased by the bear, Tony Robbins isn't going to pull you out of the fire. You know, you've got to be out of the fire on your own before you're ready for the people out there. And that's the, right. all I really want to be able to tell people is that here's all the knowledge in here. This I'm clearly saying blinking lights last chapter is mine. You don't have to believe it. If you don't want to have something bigger than you, that's fine. I won't know how to help you because my life revolves around something bigger than me. But at least people can get the first six chapters and say, all right, fine. I don't believe in anything bigger than me. I, I'm master of the universe, but I realize my brain's bad. And they go get a brain map done. And they might learn something. So that's, right. that's really the big thing is I know I can't help everybody, but stepping out of the office and trying to launch the book and get on as many stages as, as I can to share this, it's really a win-win because I don't feel that it's the Kyle Ferroli show coming out. I feel it's 20 years of studying the mind, brain, and body show coming out. And it really helps me not, you know, people say, oh, you're getting famous. No, I'm just trying to spread a message. It's not about right. people even knowing who I am. It's about spreading it out there. And I just feel lucky that nobody else in my field wants to go do it. <laughs> right. Everybody I mean, likes to be in their offices. Great. You know, I think a lot of people who maybe listen to this podcast or are struggling or, or going through that difficult time, you know, are looking to find the way out of that suffering and that pain and being able to see this in a whole way as we learn more about ourselves as human beings. I think it's so beneficial and helps everybody see it. And we'll speak to those people who need it. And I think, yeah. I think it's great. I just think it's great. So I really appreciate having you on. Um, so real quick, anybody out there who's listening to this podcast this is a question I like to ask at, at the end of every interview is like, if you had, if you could say one thing to mm -hmm. the person who's listening, what would you want to tell them? I would want to quote Albert Einstein. Problems cannot be solved with the mindset that created them. It's like a rash all over my screen, all over my computer, all over my wall. And I look at it as I've been blessed to be part of that change and that you have a current mindset and you need a new way of thinking. You need to get in front of the problem. And you can do that by having objective equipment tell you how you're really doing instead of how you think you're doing. Right. Problems cannot be solved with the mindset that created them. That I believe is is just touching advice. Again, I can't take credit for it. You know, there's a lot of things that we quoted of other people today and that's really the way it, it should be. I know there's, there's hope when you look in the right places. And I think that if people are hearing this, you can Google mind brain balance. You can Google Kyle Feroli. You can send us an email, whatever you want to do. If you need more questions, Hey, is there someone in my area doing this? Oh, there's this person doing the brain mapping. Is that the right kind? Is that the real deal? Things like that. Send them on, on in because that's, I, my my weakness is I'm kind of like the hall monitor. I hate when people get taken. Is a nice right. word for it. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it really it my my blood just boils. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of people doing things uh, differently, and sometimes they're validated, sometimes they aren't. And I just hate when people yep. come in and they say, "Oh, I've done this and this and this." I'm like, "Oh, I wish you would have called first, because <laughs> yeah. that's not going to help." Yeah. So quality is is so yeah. important. I mean, it's such an important thing. So how, how can people, if they want more information, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Best thing to do would be to go to www.mindbrainbalance.com or my personal website, kyleferroli.com. Awesome. That's great. And I'm going to put all the links in the show notes as well. So uh, you'll be able to get it there as well. And I want to thank you for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast and being a guest and talking about all this stuff. I think it's 
really helpful and, and great for a lot of people. Thank you, I appreciate the time. Thank you. All right, everyone, thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. All the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 61. Also, I created a email series on mindfulness. It's a six-day series. And you can go to theaddictedmind.com and sign up for that. If you're interested in mindfulness or starting mindfulness or trying mindfulness, I definitely uh, give it a shot. And it's a basic six-day walkthrough just to understand the basics of mindfulness and get you started. If you're struggling with addiction or any other mental health issue, mindfulness is a great way to help with that and work through that. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. Also, don't forget, rate and review us on iTunes. Really appreciate it. And join our Facebook group, The Addicted Mind Podcast on Facebook. All right, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your day. And I will see you on the next episode. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.